Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is the podcast that provides empowerment, inspiration, and education for older adults to thrive in their golden years. It's produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible through the generous support from South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positive Aging. I'm Patricia Raskin. Today, we're talking about opportunities for older adults. In the new world of work, COVID, along with its challenges, has opened new doors for older remote workers, entrepreneurs, and job seekers. My guest is Carrie Hannon, a workplace futurist and strategist on career transitions, entrepreneurship, personal finance, and retirement. She is the author of In Control at 50 Plus, How to Succeed in the New World of Work, where she talks about the post-pandemic workplace and how to take an active role in shaping your career and financial future and how to make the new normal work for you. Carrie was formerly an expert columnist, opinion writer, and regular contributor to the New York Times, Market Watch, Forbes, and a personal finance and entrepreneurship expert on the PBS website, nextavenue.org. She has appeared as a career and financial expert on the Dr. Phil Show, ABC, CBS, CNBC, NBC Nightly News, NPR, Yahoo Finance, and PBS. Carrie is currently a senior columnist for Yahoo Finance and an on-air expert. Welcome, Carrie. Great to have you on. Great to be here. Thank you for the kind invitation. How have our lives and workplaces fundamentally changed during COVID? Right, Patricia, there have been, in my book, In Control at 50 Plus, I kind of identified the five major trends that have emerged from the pandemic. Now, some of these certainly started pre-pandemic, but they really lit up as we came through the pandemic and how this impacts workers over 50. But let me just quickly tick off the five big trends. Remote work is here to stay. The genie's out of the bottle. Contract work took off. Career transition became the norm. It was no longer just the outliers who were taking big risks to change careers and make transitions. They realized they did have the runway ahead of them. Entrepreneurship, again, exploded for the for all age groups, but particularly for the group over 50. And finally, the fifth one is lifelong learning is here to stay. The number of virtual mm -hmm. opportunities to continue to learn just really lit up during the pandemic and have continued to do so, which makes education something that's really accessible and affordable. Hmm, exciting. We're going to go over each of those two and in depth. But Carrie, what are the advantages of being an older entrepreneur? Uh -huh. Well, I love it because I think this is your time and to do the things that really matter to you. A lot of these things people set aside earlier in their career, but what makes the older entrepreneur successful, and actually studies have shown, especially one from MIT recently, that entrepreneurs over the age of 45 were more successful than the younger crew. What this is all about is that you come to it with a sense of understanding your industry, particularly if you've started a business in the same realm where you had your primary career. You have marketing chops. You perhaps have capital behind you. You have an amazing network of people that you can pull to for resources, for help, for understanding of where to go next. And you also have this sort of, I call it, you know, you have this ballast, this ability to understand and weather setbacks so that it's not like, 
I've got to hit it out of the ballpark today, but we're patient and we understand how to take the time to let something grow. And it's that sense of maturity, I think, that really brings to the senior entrepreneur, the midlife entrepreneur, this sense of possibility that gives us the opportunity to truly succeed here. Yeah. And and because we've had so much experience, we have that resilience. We've had to bounce back exactly. in our lives. Exactly. So that helps us. How has technology made it possible to build a business without large startup costs, particularly for the older exactly. entrepreneurs? You know, here's the thing. It used to be you, you know, you'd think about starting a business and oh my gosh, I've got to have bricks and mortar and I have to have employees at some point. But today you can start a business from your home office with your laptop. Uh, you don't need all of those accoutrements. You can really, if you have a great website and um, you can start for, I would say, easily under $5,000. It doesn't have to be this huge mega business. I'm talking about a micro business, a side gig, a side hustle to kind of get your foot in, to get started slowly. And when we talked about that trend of contract work taking off, the number of opportunities for contract work out there, hey, here you go. You can hire your workers, someone to do your social media, perhaps, or your bookkeeping a virtual employee, they don't have to be on staff and all of the costs that come with that. They can helicopter in and help you once or twice a month, whatever it might be, but it's a great way to control your costs, this new way of working and having a virtual workforce. Now, when we talk about contract work, would you say that's the same thing as entrepreneurship because it's just maybe a different way of working? Explain the difference between true entrepreneurship and contract work. Yeah, I think work. that is it. it is worth differentiating because Self-employment is a form of entrepreneurship, right? Because you're being your own boss. You're taking control of your income stream. You've decided, hey, I'm going to be a consultant or I'm going to go out and do this kind of work. But what's different is that you're doing it kind of as a patchwork quilt. You're working for a variety. You're doing a little of this, a little of that in many cases. Whereas if you're starting your own business as an entrepreneur, you're pretty much in a lane. You're focusing on a product or a service that you are really putting together under one umbrella and moving forward with a branding of that opportunity. So it's not all, you know, if it was mine, Carrie Inc., it is your company may have a name. It may have something beyond yourself. And so I think it's actually uh, creating something that is beyond yourself, but it is something that is solely, um, you are still self-employed without question, but it takes a different movement, I think, to a higher level on a certain uh, extent. This podcast is made possible in part by South Coast Health, a not-for-profit community-based health system that provides a clinical and caring experience to every life we touch in Southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. To learn more, visit southcoast.org. What is your feeling about being an entrepreneur, starting a new business over 55, 60, even 65? Is it harder as you're older? I mean, we know all the advantages, but talk about entrepreneurship at that stage. And I'm talking about a brand new business right out of the box. <laughs> well, in a sense, it's harder if you haven't done a couple of things. If you're financially fit, which I think is critical because debt is the biggest stumbling block and money, most people say that that is the issue that really trips them up. When I talk to most entrepreneurs at this age, they say, I say, what would have you done differently? And they say, I wish I had more money when I started. So I, I think the, the essence is 
if you're comfortable, if you have savings, if you are not depending on that business to pay your rent or your mortgage or your monthly nut, then it can be truly a a fantastic endeavor for someone at this age. If at this age, you still need all those things and you have more responsibilities than you had when you were a younger person, then it can be a little concerning and you need to be prepared and aware of that because not every business is gonna just shoot out of the box. It's going to go forward. It's gonna have steps back. So I think that money, Mm -hmm. it can be the biggest challenge for someone at this age. The second thing that can be challenging, and we said this, that technology has made it possible, But it can also be a little daunting for people to realize that they need to really be sharp and be up to speed with the technology that's necessary in order to run their business. You really need to be comfortable that way. And the third thing is many people, I'll say, again, when I ask that question about what you would have done differently, they'll say, I wish I had more sales experience. And what they mean by that is that they haven't had that opportunity to go out and market. Now, I'm not saying you have to be the salesperson for your business necessarily. You can hire someone to do that social media marketing or the other pieces, but you are responsible for selling your business. You are the face of your business. So, you know, if you're uncomfortable selling in some way, I encourage people, and and as as we get older, we get more turned in this way, take a class in in improvisation, an acting class, a public speaking class, something that forces you to get outside of yourself and present to the public in a way. Then you get really, and that's, that's something that can be super helpful. Along with that, what about technology classes? I mean, those of us over 55, 60, 65 didn't have the technology. We didn't grow up with it. What about taking technology classes to yeah, feel more comfortable? Yeah, I totally uh, agree that is something that must be done. There's great opportunities online. LinkedIn has some great learning opportunities. There's a group called Get Set Up that's has learning online. It's a virtual platform. People over 50 teach people over 50. And that is, they'll give you basic skills in Excel or spreadsheets or some of these things you might not be as comfortable with, but do it in baby steps. Take one class at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself and realize that this takes repetition, especially with technology. It's not one and done. You have got to you know, constantly be going and using it. And I'll give a quick example. When I started at Yahoo Finance a few months ago, my, um, my editor in, you know, is a couple decades younger than me. And she is fantastic. But she said, you know, Carrie, we only work in Google Docs, right? And I said, oh my gosh, um, well, I work in Word. So I'll just send it to you in <laughs> Word. And she said, no, you don't get it. We work in Google Docs. So I went, oh, jeepers. I had no idea how to work in Google Docs. My whole life, I practically have written in Word. So I quickly got in touch with one of my pals who uh, writes for Reuters. And I knew he had made the transition to Google Docs a few years ago, said he loved it. I said, Mark, I'm it. what do I do? And he said, quick, screen share. So he gave me a quick tutorial on how to use Google Docs. And he said, okay, Carrie, if you have any questions, call me. Get Well, get right back on with you. And for me, this yeah. made all the difference because I never complained. I never said I couldn't do the technology. I simply reached right. out to somebody I knew who would understand and could help me. And and I just kept making myself use it, making myself use it until I, today I'm very comfortable with it. But they had no idea. And my friend jumped to my rescue. So it's just an example of we all are going to face this at some point. <laughs> Well, it also speaks to our brain and longevity and neuroplasticity, always being able to learn new things. This forces us to do that. It speaks to the support group where you had a friend who helped you. So it, it, 
it's a win-win all around because you're growing, you're learning, and you're reaching yeah, out. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I was just so happy to say, oh, these are the things I've been telling older workers for a long time, and I'm actually living it, you know? And, and also another piece of that technology thing is communication. Like I realized that my editor, she communicates. I would email her or I would try to call, and I was even text, and I, I wasn't getting any anything back. And I thought, well, what the heck is going on here? And I was getting a little bit resentful. And finally, I realized, oh, she only communicates or she prefers to communicate in Slack, which I had never used before either. And that's mm -hmm. in, in Yahoo does. That's what they, it's their in-house communication system. Well, once I realized that I'm like, oh, okay. It's not personal. I get it. I have to learn to use Slack. And Today, it, it's smooth, but that was a question, a tech question, a communications question, working for a younger boss that I should have asked right up front, because I like the phone, and I like to send a basic email, right? That's what I'm comfortable with. But to, but again, I've used it every day, many, many times a day now, and it's it's perfectly seamless. Right. And again, an opportunity to grow and learn something new. Right. Now let's talk more about remote work. You talked a lot about that in the beginning, but you know, it used to be maybe an opportunity or it used to be a perk, but now it's really become normalized. So talk more about the advantages of remote work and maybe some things we need to look out for when we're doing remote right. work. Right. Remote work again certainly started pre-pandemic. And this was something that, but it was a perk. It was something we had to sort of beg our bosses to let us work uh, from our home office from time to time. And especially if we had caregiving duties for an aging relative, as as I did with my mom, who was in her 90s. I mean, you had to really uh, seek out that flexibility and the opportunity. It was a big deal. And you had to prove yourself. Uh, younger workers had been asking for this, but because uh, they are digital natives. They knew they could get their jobs done without having to go into an office. But during the pandemic, employers were forced to address this and realized, oh my gosh, people are productive. Uh, the performance is great and it can work. Plus it's a cost saver for them if they don't have you know, people in the office and so forth. It can be a real benefit on a financial angle for them. But the point was they figured out that it, they could make it work. And to me, this, has been, this is a wonderful way. And it, it's, if you back up just a bit of fighting ageism, because when you're an older worker, and, and I use that word loosely, when you're somebody, you know, over 50, over 60, and you're working, when you're standing right next to somebody in the workplace who's a couple of decades younger than you, even if you look fabulous, there's a subliminal age thing that comes up in people's minds. And when you're not being judged by your cover, when you're being judged more on your performance and your productivity, it goes a long way to fighting that ageist attitude that may come from a manager or from even the workforce itself, your coworkers, because you feel maybe out of step if the gossip is they're talking about music you don't know or you know a film that you haven't seen because it's not of your generation, right? It's not something that, that you know. Um, and you feel awkward like the kid not invited to the party. Um, when you're working remotely, you don't have those feelings of being left out. And the other piece of remote work that I, I find really advantageous is that many people say they're going to work longer than they actually do. And why they retire early is often a health reason because they're, you know, something's come up. If you can work remotely and not have that commute into an office and not have an office workspace that maybe isn't ergonomically set up for what your needs might be, that can open up opportunities for you. It can allow you to stretch out your work life. 
This podcast is made possible in part by Cochlear, the global leader in implantable hearing solutions, helping people of all ages to hear and connect with life's opportunities. To learn more, visit www.cochlear.us slash aging. So Carrie, going back to working remotely and also the whole idea of ageism, do you think that working remotely often helps um, with you know, the, the discrimination or the stigma sometimes that ageism has because you, you're not with that person, you're not next to them, you're working remotely. So it takes away some of the issues you talked about before when you're in the workplace with someone two, three decades younger. I think it, it is a huge advantage, and um, but it has to be managed properly. You have to understand the technology. You have to be willing to get on Zoom, to get on the Google Meets, to understand how to set your computer up to know how to engage with people virtually in a way that that you can present yourself in a way that's enthusiastic, that's full of energy, full of ideas, all of those great things that we all know how to do, but you're on stage. And so this is your time. And you can't ignore the fact that, yeah, you have that ability now to manage how you are viewed, to manage how that cover looks and how you present yourself in a way that you can't necessarily do when you're side by side with someone. So when you're side by side, I mean, you have the social networks, you have the camaraderie, but you can still get that with remote work, correct? Based on some of the things you were saying in terms of your energy level and your presentation skills, you can get that. It's not exactly the same as being side by side, but it's It's, close. It's close, but I also think there's this magic ingredient of building, you have to work a little harder at building those relationships. So if you have a team that you're working with, you know, reach out to team members individually, have, you know, send notes, great job. I love the way you said that in the meeting, you know, build this sort of uh, uh, mutual admiration society back and forth. So you build these bonds. Uh, In my business, when I write an article and someone on my team writes a great article, I always make sure that I tweet it out, that I put it up on LinkedIn, that I showcase their work. So you have to take that extra step to build these relationships by showcasing others on your team by uh, saying, and even if they live near you, maybe, and now that often that might not happen, but you can get out and have a cup of coffee. You can go have lunch, you know, make those meetings. And if you have an office that you do have the ability to go into, do go in. I mean, don't go in. You don't have to go all the time, but it's important to also make those face-to-face connections when possible. But again, uh, it t- it takes a little extra work, but it can be done. And I think the virtual community is one that is has a lot of possibilities if you're willing to work at it a bit. Let's talk about jobs in the workplace. There's a shortage of workers. So is there more opportunity for the older adult in the workplace? What are the benefits? And also we need to talk about interviews and how those have changed, you know, in recent years. So what does the older job seeker need to know? Here's what's happening. Yeah, there are about two jobs open uh, for every worker who's out there looking for something. And uh, that creates a a tight market. That means employers really are looking for workers who can get the job done. They want workers who can get the job done now, who can hit the ground running. Hey, that's what we got, right? We've got this decades of experience. If you're up to date with your skills, if you've kept up your learning, if you're sharp, if you know your industry, if you're on top of the current trends and what's happening, 
you can just, I think the opportunities are amazing because older workers are getting hired in ways that, that they weren't prior to the pandemic because worker, workers are needed. They need your expertise. And if you can prove that you can, you're nimble and you can shift and you can get started today, trust me, you are valued. You are a valued member of that team. And I can tell you just sitting here right now talking to you at least a dozen examples of workers over the age of 60 who I know who have found jobs since January uh, pre post pandemic. And it's simply because I know it's and they're great paying jobs. It's because, you know, employers want their expertise because they need to keep the, the machine going. So that's fantastic. I think you have the ability to negotiate uh, because they want you, they want your skills. And again, you have to be relevant. Don't, don't think you can slip into this, but if you're relevant, you can negotiate for salary. You can negotiate for flex time. If that's what you're looking for, there are a lot of wiggle room these days. And so don't get stuck in an alley. I mean, in a lane in your brain thinking, this is how it's always been done. I've got to adhere to this and that. Not at all. I think there's a lot of flexibility in the workplace today. This podcast is made possible in part by Greenwood Credit Union, which offers locally-based full-service banking where our focus is on you. To learn more, visit greenwoodcu.org. Carrie, do you think maybe that's been a gift, if you will, of the pandemic, that it has given us this flexibility and more opportunities for older workers? Yeah, without question. I also think the up, the if you were on the job during the pandemic and your employer where you currently are, you know, even though even if it wasn't you, they realized they had a peak inside people's homes and they understood and your manager saw the different duties you were juggling, if it was caregiving, giving, whatever it might be. And there's an understanding now of, hey, you know, there's a humanity here. We need to give each other a little space to get our jobs done uh, properly, but also to manage our work-life balance. And I think that in the mental health aspect of work really came to the forefront in a way that it never has before, because Every single person from the boss down to, you know, the intern was feeling that pressure uh, to get work done in an environment that, that was unaccustomed to them. One thing we haven't talked about yet is this work-life balance you just mentioned in terms of caregiving, because at this situation, at this time, we may be caregiving for other people. How do we balance that, Karen? Now, that is a great question, Patricia. It is tough. It is. I I alluded to at the beginning of our conversation, caring for my mom, who is 91 and almost 92 with, with dementia. And oh, my goodness, I was hanging by a thread. And I don't know. At that point, I was running my own business exclusively, so I could give myself the flexibility. But what it meant that I had to get up at four in the morning to get my work done so that by the time mom was awake... I had, could have all eyes on her. I could still keep working, but she came number one. I understood it in the depth of my soul what it takes to manage somebody, an aging uh, relative who is with you, even if they're not living in your home. So I, I think that we need to give ourselves permission to understand this is something we value. It's something that's a human quality. It's important to take care of our our those around us and the loved ones that we have. And, and don't hide it. You know, employers need to understand it. And I think they do understand it. But it's up to you to not just keep taking on the work and making yourself burned out trying to do everything because you will not do everything well, I can guarantee you. 
And that speaks to support. Again, having a support network, having support help. Absolutely. It's hard to get caregivers. So it, it really is something that you do often have to do yourself. But if you can have that line of chant, that channel of communication with your coworkers, with your manager, all of those things. So people are on board. They understand that you're not trying to shirk your work in any way. You just need to shift your hours a bit. You, there needs to be, and trust me, people get it. They understand there is really, when we went, when everyone was in lockdown, we all had a lot of time to think about our priorities, what matters to us. Um, and and we're all quite sensitive, I think, to this, this need to care for the ones we love. And that brings me to the closing question, which is, you know, what you just alluded to, the pandemic has brought us a lot of loss, but it's also awakened to us the importance of relationships and support and being appreciated. So how do you look at this in terms of how we spend our time and how we really reflect on our lives? Well, you know, the pandemic really did help us do that inner MRI about what matters. And I'm a big believer in work, right? I think work is not a four-letter word. I think work is fabulous on every, you know, it, however you do it. It doesn't have to be pedal to the metal, but it engages us mentally, physically often. It engages um, our need to make a difference in the world. And financially, it can be, you know, to fund longer lives, longevity, the crystal ball unknown of what medical costs might be in the future. Work is just a darn good thing on many levels. But I think the pandemic, that inner, that time we spent uh, trying to make sense of it all in, in fear, actually, we didn't know what was happening. And it forced us to say, I value this, I don't value this. And I just encourage everybody to really, you know, to stay true to yourself, understand, you know, there's a, a writer who I admire, Simon Sinek, who says, you know, what is your why? You know, really understand why you're doing what you do and make the most of it. Carrie, what an inspiring and enlightening interview. Thank you. Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible in part by South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. For more information, please visit ripbs.org slash positiveaging.